You know, when you, when you get a taste for something that is just absolutely wonderful, or when you experience something that is, is so wonderful, isn't it true that, that you just want more of that thing? That when you genuinely just experience something or, or taste something that is just so good, that, that our hearts, man, we are not content with, with just receiving that, that piece of it, that, that we find ourselves thinking about it and, and daydreaming about it and craving it and wanting it more and more. And so this, this is what I mean. You think about a delicious meal, and maybe I'm the only one like this, but man, you, you, you eat a delicious meal, and for me, it's probably a filet. It's probably some kind of steak. And and, 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 and you eat a delicious meal and, and, and you don't go, man, that was awesome. I'm content for life. No, you eat a delicious meal and then what? If you're like me, you're going, when can I have this exact meal again? Or you think about, many of you experienced this over Thanksgiving. Man, just prolonged time with your family and friends. Conversation that is, that is deep and meaningful and filled with joy and with laughter. And, and, and you find yourself in this prolonged space and you go, man, I don't want this to end. And some of you are the opposite. You're like, I can't wait for this to end. But, but some of you, man, you, you, you were soaking in just the beauty of, of family and friends and, and your heart was going, man, when can I get this again? Man, this is the way that it works. When you travel the world and you see something beautiful, that, that your eye isn't content just to see something beautiful, it just sparks this inside of you. Man, what else has God put in this world that I want to discover? And, 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 and I go, man, there's something about us when we experience something, when we taste something wonderful, our heart actually just wants more of it. Some of you, man, you experience this. The Thanksgiving, it's the first Thanksgiving that that you went through without someone that you love. Someone passed away. It was an incredibly hard Thanksgiving. And you look at your life and you go, man, I had 30 years or I had 40 years or I had 50 years with them and, and, and it's not enough. I want more of, of them. And, 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 and I go, man, there's something in our heart and I think it's actually designed by God that when we experience something wonderful, our souls just cry out for more of that good thing. And not that we just want more of it to experience it for ourselves. I think when it, when it fully goes the way that it's supposed to, that, that it's not just something that we want for ourselves, that we actually want others to experience it too. And we truly experience something wonderful. Man, we want other people to experience it. I remember the summer when um, my sophomore year, going into my junior year of college, my, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, Courtney, went overseas. She was in England for, for five weeks. And, and she got back and, and literally, you know, since then, she's like, man, I want you to experience it. Like, I want us to go and travel. I want you to see the things that I saw. I want you to be there. And I go, man, that's the way that, that it works is that when you experience something wonderful, you want others to experience it too. Today is kind of a, a bittersweet time in the, in the word this morning. We're going to be wrapping up our teachers, teaching series um, that, that we've called the return of Jesus. And, 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 it's, and it's bitter because I've actually loved this. And, and I've, I've, I'm sad that we're you know, kind of moving on to what's next. And, and I've, I wish we could just soak in this for a long time. And, um, but it's sweet because I think God's done some just incredible work as we've just really opened our hearts to this, to this subject. And, and today, the way that we're gonna kind of wrap up this, this series is by looking at the last two chapters of the Bible. 
where the Lord just gives us a picture of what is to come. And so all that we've been talking about, it's, it's ultimately building to this, to this moment, that this is the climax, this is the thing that as followers of Jesus that we, we long for, that we, we think about. And my hope for us today is that, is that if, you've, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not walking in relationship with him, if you haven't experienced his forgiveness, if you've not been filled with his spirit, that, that today as we read through these scriptures, that, that you get a taste of what's to come. And that taste, it, it's not just an, enough for you to read it and to come to church, but that there's something about your heart that actually wants more of God, wants the fullness of what God intends, that wants the fullness of what he has promised. My hope is that, that for those of you who are not followers of Jesus, that you taste the Lord this morning. And for those that are followers of Jesus, my, my, my prayer, my hope is that, is that we taste it anew and that, that we remember what it tastes like to experience God and that, and that the spirit of God just leads us and keeps leading us to, to long for the things that God has promised for us. My prayer has been that, that in this life that we would get all from God and all with God that he wants to give to us. And that not just as individuals, but as a church family that are longing for the Lord, that, that our love for Jesus just grows and grows and grows, and that we, we find ourselves not just thinking about us, but we think about the world that doesn't know Jesus. And as we taste, as we, as we see that the Lord is good, as we experience the goodness of the Lord, we're not just content to play it safe and to go through this life thinking about us and managing our family, but we think about the lost and broken and unredeemed world and that, and that this spirit of God would just lead us to lay down our entire lives so that all people could experience the goodness of God. And I love this, this series, genuinely. It's been maybe one of my, my favorite series that we've been in. We've covered a whole lot throughout this fall. Starting in September, we, we really looked at, at, at the story in John 13. And, 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 we, and, we, and we talked about this, this reality of the things that so often keep us from engaging in this conversation about the return of Jesus. And then, and then we, we, we moved into to really deep diving Matthew chapter 24, and I, and I really enjoyed that passage of scripture. And, and we spent several weeks there where Jesus really gives us a bunch of signs that we are to be looking for, that we are to be aware of. Signs geographically and politically and environmentally and socially so that we can know and recognize the season that we are in. So that we can understand what, what season we find ourselves in and that we can be ready ourselves and help other people be ready as well. We spent several weeks after that in Matthew chapter 25 looking at the parables. The parables that are meant to, to really guide us on what it looks like to leverage our lives leading up to the return of Jesus. We talked about the bridesmaids and the bags of gold that, that throughout this life, man, we are called to have deep relationship with the Lord, deep intimacy. And that we are to use everything that we've been given in this life, that we are to steward everything for the glory of God. We looked at Matthew chapter 13, this important parable that, that Jesus says, hey, up until the day of my return, you're going to notice two things that are happening, that, that both wickedness and righteousness are going to continue to increase. They're going to continue to grow. And so don't be surprised when you see the world being more wicked than it's ever been. And also don't be surprised when you see the church shining more brightly for Jesus than the church ever has. And, and then last week, we looked at this moment in Matthew 25, the, the moment that, that awaits every single one of us. 
the moment that we will all stand before Jesus Christ himself, the son of God, the son of man. The moment where he's gonna separate the sheep from the goats. He's gonna separate the righteous from the wicked. He's gonna separate those who received him and received his teaching, who let the spirit of God lead us into the sacrificial ways of Jesus. He's gonna separate those who received Jesus and those who rejected him. And we have covered so much in this series. And I don't, I don't know what all you have felt, what, what it's been like for you, the things that have passed through your head and your heart. For me, you know, this, this series has really stoked a, a deeper curiosity in me. It's, it's made me realize how little I actually know about scripture. <laughs> and it's stirred not this guilt, but this, this longing to, to know the scriptures more deeply, to know what Jesus says about the end of all things. It's like when you go to a, a national park and, you, and, and you're there for a couple days and you're like, man, I only got to experience a, a small fraction of it. And if you're anything like me, you've, you've engaged in this and you've just, it's stirred your intellect. It's stirred your curiosity. It's, it's also stirred my heart for Jesus. Not perfectly, but I've found myself going through so many seasons of life, knowing that Jesus is gonna return. But if I'm just being honest, I've been really apathetic to it. I've been indifferent to it. And I haven't done this perfectly and I don't wake up every day, all day live like this, but, but I've found myself just wanting Jesus more. As I look at, at the, the beauty of who Jesus is and the brokenness in our world, and I realize that the only thing, the, the brokenness, the only way that's gonna be fixed is when the beauty and the fullness of Jesus returns, I found myself going, no man and no government and no policy is gonna fix this world, only Jesus. And I've just found my heart being stirred more and more for the man who died for me. In this series, if you're like me, you've been convicted because you do go through moments of, of still feeling indifferent where you know he's gonna return and maybe some of you there this morning, you know that, that he's gonna separate the righteous from the wicked and, and, and how easy it is to take our eyes off of him, to revert back into our selfish and our sinful ways. And if you're like me, as we kind of come to the close of this series, I still have so many questions. And I just want to assure you that th this series, it was not intended to answer all of our questions about the return of Jesus. The intention wasn't for us to, to leave with this kind of master level, PhD level understanding of the return of Jesus, to have a complete comprehensive idea and understanding of, of everything that scripture says about what is going to happen when Christ returns. But, but remember, Dave kicked us off and we kind of had three goals that talking about this, that we were to be informed. We were studying this so that we could be informed, so that we could be prepared and so that we could be eager. to be informed, to be prepared, to be eager. And I want you just to think about, man, that has most certainly been true for me. And, and, and I wanna assure you, man, that this class was, or this teaching series was more like a, a college level 101 class that, that we're just kind of laying the foundation here that as over the next several years, we plan on keep talking about this and leaning into this because it's so important. But I wanna just give us kind of three takeaways today as we kind of land the plane of the return of Jesus next week as we look forward to Advent, celebrating the first coming of Jesus and again, thinking about his second coming. And, and I felt the, the, this 
man, the, how important it was to help us land this plane well. And so we spent a lot of time in our head. We spent a lot of time looking at the scripture. We spent a lot of time searching our hearts. And, and I just wanted to give us three personal takeaways for us. And so what's next for us personally as we, as we, as we keep leaning into this? The first takeaway is this, man, that, that each of us, man, we would keep seeking the Lord for the purpose of knowing him. And I can't stress this enough. That that in the South, and maybe just in the church globally, but because um, we live in the South here, man, what, what I know because I've done this so often is that so often we settle for the appearance that we know him, that, that we settle for making other people believe that we know God. Or we settle for living lives of doing things for God or for being a really good person. And I think God has something so much higher for us. Not that any of those things, except for the appearance thing, is bad. But that we would know him. This, this week on Wednesday, my, um, my wife's next youngest sister and her husband, they were in town and he's a pastor in Southwest Tennessee. And, and we were walking around a park out in Mount Juliet where we live. And, and I just asked him, I said, man, what is, what's God stirring in your heart? Like, what's God teaching you right now? And it's so amazing. He, he said, man, I, I just, God is stirring my heart to know him. And to not just do a bunch of good things for him or to, to try to impress other people, but to, to just the purity of, of knowing him. And I'm like, man, that's amazing. That's God's doing the, the same thing in me. And I go, guys, that, that I think it's the thing that God is just stirring that we would know him, that we would have a deep personal relationship with God. God, the most powerful, the most wise, the most funny, the most joyful, the most generous, the most loving, the most comforting one there is in all of creation. And on the table is us for, for us to know him and to walk with him and to enjoy him forever. The first takeaway from this series is that we would seek the Lord to know him. The second is that we would study, that you would study this topic on your own. Man, I really encourage you that, that if, if you're not daily in the scriptures, to let that be a part of your new regimen. And it's okay if you don't always have a breakthrough moment that there's something about just the discipline of, of meeting God in his word every day that over time, God just, man, he, he stirs your heart for the scriptures. He just does. And, and so I encourage you to, to, seek, to, to seek the scriptures yourself, man, to pay attention. How often the, the day of the Lord or the return of Jesus or the end of all things is mentioned in scripture. What I've discovered in my life is that, man, we really become proficient. We become, we become really knowledgeable and good at things. Not when someone is spoon feeding us or making us do something, but when we decide in ourselves, deep in our spirits, that we want to be good at something. You know, for those of you who are musicians, unless you're some kind of prodigy, my guess is that, that if, if you're good, if you're talented, it's not just because you were born that way. And it's not just because you had a good teacher that gave you lessons that outside of your lessons and instructions, man, you were hungry to know how to play the guitar better or the violin, or the cello, or whatever. Or for those of you who are artists, my guess is that, that if you want to be good at art, at sculpting, or painting, that, that I mean, it's not just enough to, to be in an art class, right? That, that you just have to sit at the table and do it. 
And the more you do it, the better you get at it, the more you learn, the, the more you enjoy it. And, and I go, man, there is something about the return of Jesus that, that if you want to know more, it is on the table for you to know more. Be in the scriptures. I've, I've found a couple of other resources to be incredibly helpful for me as I've been studying, as I've been leaning into this. And so a couple things I'll just pass along to you. There's a guy named Joel Richardson that does a lot of reading, a lot of studying along these lines, the return of Jesus. He has several books I recommend highly. Man, and so if you were interested in, in knowing more, if, if, if this series has awakened an ab, a, a desire in you to know more, I'd encourage you to, to look at some of his books. In particular, When a Jew Rules the World, Mideast Beast, The Islamic Antichrist. These are really good books. There's also another really helpful resource. Um, I mentioned this earlier on. It's, it's an organization called FAI. And, and there's one thing in particular that I love that, that they do. And it's this Maranatha, a Maranatha Global Bible Study. And it's literally just on an app on your iPhone that you can go and, and download it. And, and it's the, the Maranatha Global Bible Study, and in particular, the series, The End of the Age. And, and they literally will take about an hour and they'll break Matthew 24 and 25 and all these different passages of scripture. And if you are hungry for more, this is a great step for you to take. So a couple takeaways, man, that we would seek Jesus to know him, that we would study on our own. And then the final takeaway for, for the study is that the entirety of our lives would be shaped by Jesus' return. And how we spend our money and what we prioritize and how we date and how we raise our children and how we retire that what matters most to us would, would come out of our conversation and come out of our hearts at, at work and on the intramural fields and, and at school and on Friday nights when we're with our friends, man, that, that you and I, that we would live in light of the fact that Jesus is gonna return to this earth. And when Jesus returns, he is going to raise the dead. And, and the reality is that when he does this, there's going to be this moment where he will punish the wicked and he will punish those who have rejected him. And we can't shy away from that. We can't sugarcoat that. We can't ignore that. that. That as followers of Jesus, we actually have to think about those things. I think that when we think about the reality of that, it actually increases the urgency and it burns in our hearts the desire for all people who don't know him to actually know him. And when he returns, it's not that he's just going to punish those who rejected him. He is going to reward those richly. I mean, abundantly richly over-the-top, extravagant, eternal with those who in this life loved him, trusted him, and followed him. My hope is that as we move past this, this series that we wouldn't let the fog settle in over our heads and our hearts. That we wouldn't lose sight of the fact that Christ is gonna return. Today, as, as we wrap up, what I want us to do real quickly is just to look at the reward that awaits us. Revelation 21 and 22. And, and today, instead of preaching through this text, I really felt like we were supposed to pray through this text. There's a, there's a time to preach the scriptures, man. There's a time to like a microscope, look at words and concepts and to, you know, you know, to pick them apart and to apply them. And then there are times to just open our heart and our imaginations to God. 
and to let him touch our hearts, to let him engage our emotions. And so here's what we're actually gonna do this morning. I'm gonna pray, and then after I get done praying, I'm literally just gonna read a portion of Revelation 21 and 22. And as I read, I wanna really just encourage you to, to do this one thing. And I'm really trusting and expecting God to move, but I'm just gonna encourage you to do this one thing, to, to pay attention to what in the scripture moves you deeply. What's the thing that, that calls to your heart? And I could unpack this scripture. Well, actually, I probably couldn't unpack it. This is way beyond me. But, but there's so much in Revelation 21. And I just thought that, man, what, what God wants to do is that, that there, there's so much in this. And because we're all in different places and phases and moments, that, that just to invite God to, to do something that only he can do. And so I'm going to just, I'm going to read this text over us and then I'm going to give you literally a, a minute to just pray and to reflect on your own. Then I'm going to send us to the table, communion and to grab a piece of bread and a cup of juice and to come back into your seats. And with two or three people around you, we're going to have a couple of questions for us to just wrestle with. So here's what I want to do. I want to just invite you to close your eyes and I'm going to pray. And when I get done praying, we're going we're gonna to read Revelation 21. If it's helpful for you to open your eyes and to read along, please do that. If it's, if it's more helpful for you just to, to close your eyes and to let your imagination go, then do that as well. But I want to pray, and then I'm going to read this text. And so, Lord, I'm so grateful for your word, and I'm so grateful for, for the power in it. And God, I just I ask this morning that as we come humbly as we, as we think about the things that await us in the future, I, I pray that you would help us to taste it and to remember the, the, the moments that we have tasted and God, that it would just stir us for more and more of you. And so God, you know every person here. And I pray God, you'd help us to open our hearts. I know so often I've been in phases of life where I've come into things like this and I go, I'm not gonna hear anything or I wish they would just teach a traditional teaching or whatever it is. And God, I, just, I pray you would meet us where we are and that you would move, God, in the reading of your word, that you would help every person here to hear from you this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Revelation 21, the word of the Lord, our brother John the Apostle, this is what he writes. Let your imagination go. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. 
And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain, great and high. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God. And its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. And on the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. And he measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia, which is 1,380 miles in length. And as wide and high as it was long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement. And it was 200 feet thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb were its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no more night. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing down from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. And they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. So Lord, we want to just take a minute. Would you help us to, to identify the, the, the one thing 
that we need to hear. The one piece of hope, the one thing, that, the one taste of heaven. God, we thank you for, for laying out before us what is to come. And I pray that in our weakness, in our weariness, in our places where we feel beat down by the world and the enemy and man, the place that we are discouraged because of like Paul in Romans 7, we just keep doing the thing that we know we don't want to do. God, let this picture, these words call us higher, call us to you. And for those who didn't feel like they received a word, nothing really impacted them, touched them deeply. God, would you help them to stay in the place, to keep wrestling with, to keep asking, to keep searching, God, to ask you to, to highlight something. And Lord, we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Here's what we're gonna do. I wanna invite you to, to stand and, and I'm gonna invite you to, to go and get a piece of bread and a cup of juice. And there are gonna be a couple of questions up on the screen and I just encourage you to, to share. And you might not have time to answer all three of these, but maybe if God was highlighting something from this text to you personally, share that. Or if there's the second question, someone in your life that, that isn't set to re experience this, man, spend a few minutes praying for them with the people around you. Or if there's something in your life that, that you know it just feels like the enemy's been after you, spend that, spend some time praying into that. And so I encourage you right now, go get some communion, come back to your seats and with the people around you, just take a few minutes to pray and to process together.